begins by providing an opportunity to reflect back and look back and um, with remembrance, taking time to grieve and to honour those um, who have passed. And I was wondering if any people here, any of us, participated in that way. Um, did we take a moment to do that and how was that for us? Um, maybe the all feelings as we did that. Did anybody um, get to do that? Don't have to share. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I think taking time to look back and reflect on on, on those who've passed is not something that we choose necessarily to do a lot of. Uh, we can have mixed feelings. And, you know, we've all could put our hands up for mixed feelings at the moment, especially in terms of what we've been through with the pandemic and is it post or are we still waiting for another, um, you know, another round? I mean, really, we just, we just don't know this... We're just in this kind of holding space so often. Your know, life has been lost, there's been loss of jobs, education and learnings were interrupted for kids and young people have, um, you know, are just struggling with just re-entering school systems. Relationships have been strained and broken and you know, freedoms that we've previously taken for granted have been limited. You know, turning on the news, we see the grief of the world, and it's completely overwhelming. I mean, what do we do? How do we grieve for a world where we see so much brokenness flashing in front of our screen? So our awareness is really heightened around this topic, whether we're sort of pausing and acknowledging it or not. Our awareness is sitting there just by what we've been going through, what we are going through, what we're not through, and what we see. And I wonder, I was just thinking, you know, how are we doing with, with holding that? How are we doing with processing the impact of that and the effects um, that are on ourselves? Is it cumulative? Does it just feel like it's all sort of stored up somewhere and we're pop popping it to one side? And I think that's why I think preparing for this talk today around grief has been like a two-edged two sword for me. I realised, you know, I've pondered some of the questions as I've been writing this, and I was conscious for my own self that I'm stuck in some places, which, um, it, you know, it was only the reflecting of it that realised, you know, that I had some stuckness myself. I don't really, you know, my background is in counselling, but I don't come to any, to this today, or bring this today, um, with clinical resources or um, 10 points on how to work through grief. Rather, I feel like um, much more like a person who's got a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle sort of spread out across the floor, and I'm trying to find myself in some areas. How do I make some of these pieces connect and fit together? And you know, like so many of you, this, the stories in the room, um, a number of you could be sharing here today around grief and your experiences of grief, what you've been through, what it was like for you, and, I'm, I'm, and what we're all still going through in some of these areas that I just touched on. And I feel really humbled um, watching and knowing so many of the stories in this room by your willingness to journey with God and your determination of heart. Um, and, and the courage that's, that you guys, some of you guys, have sort of watched you have in terms of your faith journey around loss. So should we just take a moment to pray? Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit to come, shall we? We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to be with each of us. We ask you to draw near to us today as we visit this topic of grief and loss. And whatever you may bring to our minds, whatever thoughts, feelings and memories may surface, we are reminded that you're with us. We're not alone. 
Lord, we ask that you move in our lives with your transforming power. And we thank you now for leading us and guiding us and for comforting us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we often associate grief and loss with the catastrophic, catastrophic and traumatic loss. But grief is a natural response to any kind of loss. Grief is the emotional process by which we come to terms with loss and adjust to a new reality. In his book, A Grace Disguised, um, he writes, oh, Jerry Sitzer writes, this book is about catastrophic loss and the transformation that can occur because of it. He says, as I reflected on the story of my loss, which I will tell shortly, I learned that though entirely unique, as all losses are, it is a manifestation of universal experience. Sooner or later, all people suffer loss in little doses or big ones. Suddenly or over time, privately or in public settings, loss is as much a normal part of life as birth. For as surely as we are born into the world, we suffer loss before we leave it. If you're wanting to, to dig deeper into the terms of a resource around um, loss, I, I would really recommend this book. He's a wonderful author and he writes brilliantly, um, as does C.S. Lewis um, when he writes A Grief Observed. So on the one hand, as he says, loss is norm a normal part of life as birth. And on the other, as he describes his loss as catastrophic, that's true as well. But it's comforting to know, I think, that you know the chaotic natural feelings of grief are part of a journey towards transformation. You know, God has put us together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every feeling that we carry is God-given. There's nothing that's outside of his awareness or his ability to meet us. Or, um, you know, we can be sometimes terrified by our, by our own feelings, but he's put them in there. So it's a matter of just what does it look like to know and, and, and acknowledge that it's part of a journey that we're on. And it's in, in the goal in God's heart for us is transformation. It's his plan for us as we go through deep things. Grief is the emotional process by which we come to terms with loss and, and adjust to a new reality. I was thinking of a couple of examples about loss, you know. Um, when our dog, our little cute Cavoodle Jazzy, passed away about 18 months ago, um, three of our oldest grandchildren all shared their graveside moment in our garden. They loved her, and so she, uh, she's, she's buried under a camellia tree, actually. And um, one of the youngest of the three boys, um, Francis, thought for a moment um, and said, can I, after he placed a flower on her grave, he said to me, can I stand on Jessie? And I said, of course you can. She would love to know that you wanted to be near with, near to her. So he did always sort of trot round on top of the, the soil and, and popped his flower down. And then we just trotted off to the garden. It was such a natural, wonderful way of connecting for a child with, this, with a sense of separation and loss. It's, you know, age-appropriate engagement. Um, with the death of a pet. I thought it was just really, really special for them and also kind of healthy, very healthy. This is my mum. She lives with us on our property and when she moved up from Christchurch about seven years ago, um, that was a huge thing for her as a nearly 88-year-old woman. She moved when she was about 81 and she constantly refers to Christchurch's home or has done. Um, we're all from Canterbury um, and I moved up uh, as a teenager actually. So now she lives with us and it's a big wrench to leave your home after nearly 80 years. 
So she was sort of wistful and piney for quite some time, which was understandable. What I've noticed is, you know, as, you know, in terms of us coming to terms with loss and adjusting to a new reality, Mum is very happy to be with us. She loves where she is. She's watching her great-grandchildren grow. So in terms of just, on one hand, there's, there's a sense of loss and sadness. On the other, there's a, there's a facing of a new reality and a sort of a welcoming of that and holding those parts together. So I thought I'd better give you a couple of sort of like clinical definitions just um, as well because it might be helpful. Um, grief, oh, so this is from the, um, this is from the Baker um, Encyclopedia. Grief is the cognitive and emotional process of working through significant loss. The grief reaction is precipitated by the removal of anyone, anyone or anything that has emotional value to an individual. The physical, cognitive and emotional and spiritual aspects of grief don't fall into discrete categories but are woven together. Every part of us, they're woven together in every part of us and by allowing that to take place we have a greater chance of healing. Oh sorry. The physical, cognitive, and emotional and spiritual aspects of grief don't fall into discrete categories but are woven together. Everything hurts. But it affects, because it affects every part of us, and by allowing that to take place, we have a greater chance of healing the wound caused by separation. Every part of us hurts. Because every part is affected by grief, it can be really difficult to identify. I found um, looking at a few models might be slightly helpful for us today. They're extensive, there's so many different models and ways of looking at grief and I'm a visual kind of person so I thought I'd just give you one or two just that um, I found sort of helpful, some more than others. But there's just a number of models that we can look at that might help us identify with these, these overwhelming feelings of grief that we actually can't, can't identify or put, or put a name to at certain times. This is called the grief trough, not particularly inspiring kind of name, but you know, in most you can sort of sometimes I think with grief, you know, around this area, it can feel like a trough. It can feel like we're sinking down or sort of swinging and swinging out the other side. And maybe even as we swing out of something, we might find ourselves going back down again. Sometimes in grief, we can experience that feeling of just of going, of sinking down or sort of, you know, losing ourselves somewhere, and it can feel like a sort of a descent. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, describes and articulates some of the shadows and the emptiness he experienced in his loss. Sometimes this is a good one too, also for people when, you know, maybe you're aware of somebody in your life who is sinking and you feel like, oh well, it feels like they're getting smaller or they're disappearing. And it's just also a helpful one to think, well, how can I look, how can I stand alongside that person when they, they sort of seem to be just like disappearing into a smaller place within themselves? Whether it's, uh, we can maybe just keep listening, um, offer understanding as, uh, as expressions or feelings are expressed. And um, it can be a long process out the other side, and it can be a swinging sort of thing. I think you know, tears in, the, in these situations are really, and particularly in this one, is really helpful. You know, tears and grief um, are such a gift. I was reading how our bodies, um, you know, in, in the numbers of, of, of grief, our bodies can produce um, a sort of a substance that's like a narcotic. 
And it actually, sometimes I'm not sure, you know, you can experience feelings of numbness. I can, I actually went through something a while ago where I felt like I had a break in a relationship and it worried me so much that I, that it caused a real grief in my heart and I thought, my, I could feel my mind was numb. And it was almost like I couldn't think straight and I had this numbness in my head. And um, I think this is sort of a helpful sort of way of looking at it. If we've got something that's producing some type of chemical that enables us to process and get our way through it, that numbness, um, the way that numbness that is like a sort of a strong, you know, narcotic type drug that the body produces to cope, it's released through tears. Our tears can actually be toxic at times, and it's actually a good way of releasing the toxins that we're carrying inside of ourselves through the depths of the pain that we're experiencing. I'll shift, of course, over time, but it's just, I think, helpful to know that, you know, we can sometimes think it's convenient, we'll, we'll cry when it's convenient, but the truth is, um, we may not be able to find them when we think it's the right time. So, it's untidy and it's messy, it's unpredictable, but it's an encouragement, whether it's a huge loss or whether it's something we're grieving that to somebody else may seem small, but to us it's huge. Crying is, and using our tears and allowing our tears to flow is, is a wonderful way of release. This has kind of got a lot of words on it. Don't try not to get too involved in those, but I think the top one is sort of like a spiral. Um, and um, here we see sort of this, um, you know, uh, this kind of model is, is just like, you can almost, you know, the, the top one is almost like being hit by the Mack truck kind of thing. You know, sort of something hits you hard and, you, and it takes you into this place of shock. And then as things ease off, you go through this kind of like, you know, this gentle spiraling through emotions and feelings and thoughts and you sort of come to terms with what's happened. I can remember when um, I was looking after our grandson, um, Gene, and um, it was during the sort of era where people were talking about don't have a button, uh, um, button battery in your in your home. And he, there was something on the floor, and it must have come out of something, some piece of technology. And I saw it, and I went to pick it up, and then I couldn't find it. And then I said to Jean, who was about four at the time, did you see, and there was another one I think, it was two of them, so I said, Jean, did you see this, one of these? And he said, yes. And I said, well, what did you do with it? And he said, I swallowed it. And I was like, okay, so I just took him for an x-ray on the spot, but I had that kind of impact that, that oh my gosh, I'm just shock. Here's my grandson just got a button back in. He didn't, and hadn't. But, um, but nevertheless, um, I was greatly relieved um, as were his parents. So that's that kind of like, you know, the big hat sort of thing. Um, um, and, it, and, it can, and it can be a big impact with a gradual easing and recovery. But I think the one below it is a more typical experience. If I was drawing that, I would draw this, this sort of the spirals with a bit more distance between them. We go through this kind of impact of something, something major. It's not orderly, and um, and then and then we sort of spiral through a number of emotions, and there's no pattern to those emotions, but we feel like we're in this kind of connecting, this, this spiraling thing that's taking us somewhere. We can feel powerless about of that, and it eases off, and then it'll come again, and it may be exactly the same feelings. And you think, can I move on at all? Has anything changed for me? Am I back where I was? And it can be very discouraging to feel like that. But actually, looking at this, I found this to be a really helpful sort of process in my own life. Is recognizing a more here I go again, but each time it's slightly quicker and all the same feelings are there until there's sort of a greater lengthening between these kind of spiraling, you know, sections. I found, I hope that's just another, you know, sort of, um, you know, visually helpful way of considering, of considering some of our, you know, grief processes. 
I think, you know, this one's my favourite, if you're allowed to have a favourite with this topic. But um, I sort of feel like for this one, it's just, um, I kind of call it, you know, the Big Bang. It's like there's just this myriad of things going on and you just don't know. Um, you can't even find the spot. There's no sense of spiralling, there's no sense of anything. It's an overwhelming sense of just emotions that come and go and flick back and forward and leave us feeling very, very um, almost dizzy with it. There's, they're all in there, and I guess the thing I want to sort of say about this is that once again, sometimes we can be slightly inclined to think, especially as believers, well, you know, should I, you know, should I be bargaining with God? I mean, you know, Abraham did. I mean, the thing is, that every every scenario that we could go through, we can find in Scripture. And embracing what we're feeling is really, really healthy because to deny it is to deny what's happening for us and to deny the reality, even of the emotion that God wants us to explore. Sorry. Just a few minutes. There's a whole lot more. Um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has put some together too, um, related to you know, facing our own bereavements, which, of course, we all know our own, our own loss, our own death. And, of course, that's going to happen to each one of us, and we don't want to think about that. But there's some, I guess I just want to say, just pause and say, that there's some ways and some processes that we can engage with that can support us as individuals and can support us um, as we work with others and walk with others who are our beloveds. I think it's important not to try ignoring it, even as we see in this slide, this Adelamop quote. The temptation can be to push it down, but it won't go away. Anyone tried ignoring it? <laughs> Me too. Grief can't be controlled by rationalisation or positive thinking. It's not about forgetting, but it's about remembering and letting go. But the remembering can be painful and difficult, and I guess that's why you know, we struggle just with the, the thought of it. But acceptance and loss cannot occur without facing the reality of the situation. We can have anticipatory grief too, you know? Maybe a family member is, is moving to leave overseas. We can anticipate before they leave the kind of grief that might come up for us and prepare ourselves in some way. And that's a good attitude, but when it comes, I think it still feel, feels us leaving undone because it's this little big bang thing. So we can flick and it can just all move around. And I also encourage us to kind of like allow these things to sit to sit in us and to kind of like and allow ourselves to be supported by others, you know, even within our own selves, be kind to ourselves and, and recognize this is okay. I'm not I'm normal, I'm not crazy. Um, I'm going through something that is um, well within the realm of being human. And, and Lamott's quote is just so wonderful. The more I and, and I guess resonates, the more Often I cried in my room and felt just generally wretched. The more often I started to have moments of utter joy, of feeling aware of each moment shining for its own momentous sake. Don't get me wrong, grief sucks, it really does. Unfortunately though, avoiding it robs us of life, of the now, of the sense of, of living spirit. And I think that's an incentive for us, you know, that we would want to have the now, that we would want to be, continue to be people who learn to live in the present. You know, Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life, and he wants us to give everything we can to the now and receive everything we can from the now. And grief, can, we can get stuck in grief. I think this is a, the goodness of God would encourage us to move, you know, through some of the hard stuff towards that transformational, um, you know, restoration in that journey. 
Now, understanding grief. Grief is a natural response of, of, to any kind of loss, and it affects every part of our lives and affects our relationships, as I said before. Physically, um, you know, there's so many just different areas, but just let me just share a few. Physically, we can experience a tightening in our chest, maybe, a heart pain. Separation, um, even within our own selves, not being able to identify how we feel. A numbness, a loss of appetite. Tears. I guess I'm, I'm just lab not labelling these, but I'm just, I'm just kind of like bringing these to, the, to um, our, um, to the fore today because sometimes it's hard to identify what we're going through. But you know, I think that so often grief sits under everything. I think most counselling is grief counselling because it relates to loss. You know, it can present as depression and all sorts of other things, but underneath it sometimes is this great big sense of just a grief because there's been a loss of some sort in our lives. And these are some of the ways we can identify grief, which you wouldn't necessarily think would be the case. So psychologically, um, our, our, we can have clouded thinking, we can be sitting with regrets, we can have perceived losses even before we've got them, or um, maybe through disabilities, we've got um, psychological effects uh, related to grief. Socially, we, you know, through loss of jobs um, and redundancy, um, these, these are all creators of, just, of grief. Loss of objects, losing assets, um, attachments, um, all these areas are connected to grief. You know, attachments, raising children, releasing children, um, empty nest, children leaving, kids leaving home, teenagers becoming adults, um, loss of loved ones, divorce, dreams, you know, uh, loss of, you know, um, finances, financial hardship and, and, and stress. These are all things that are connected to grief. And when you think about what we're all going through, without even itemising or listing or going through any of these things ourselves in particular, we're swamped by grief just because of the, the season that we find ourselves in. But, you know, um, you know, cognitively, things can be confusing. Um, our minds can be clouded, as I said. Our concentration can be difficult. We can be overthinking scenarios. If only I had, what if? Emotionally, um, you know, allowing ourselves, as I said, to experience intense and painful emotions as part, as part of our healing. And these expressions of healing and emotional um, expressions may take different form depending on our culture. You know, Māori tikanga. Um, you know, I love the, the, just the, 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 the honouring of the, of the beloved, the honouring of the, of the lost family member in a tangi, you know, over several days, just going slower and reflecting and being together. You know, Jesus wept, John 11.35 tells us, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. And it was over loss. It was because Lazarus had died and he was crying with his Lazarus' sisters. Um, it was a loss of friendship. In 1 Samuel we see Hannah, Hannah who would longed for a child and she was so overwrought in not being able to have a child or carry a child. She's in the temple with her offering and she's crying so hard out that the priest thinks she's drunk. And she says things like, if you read it in 1 Samuel later, she says, my prayer is about, I'm praying guys, and my prayer is, a, is full of anguish and it says, the Bible says resentment. We might think, oh, resentment in the temple. But you know, this is the thing, just being free and feeling, having places where we're free enough to express what's really happening for us, for us is really important. And I'd love to think, you know, even as a church, that as we get together, maybe even when we do ministry times, which we do here most weeks, that we're able to have, you know, there's places and people that we can share our hearts with where we feel safe. 
So those are great examples from the scripture. You know, so spiritually we can have doubts, you know, understanding why is this happening, God. Um, we can we can be one we can have you know doubts about his nature and character. It can be challenged and questioned as we go through really dark times and we just cannot feel his presence. I remember Lloyd um was up and had a stroke at um those those years ago. For seven years, you know, um it was like seven years he couldn't feel, you know, um parts of his body and um he was a primarily a worship leader before he was a teacher. It was his passion. So he couldn't feel the frets on the guitar. So he just didn't play. It was like watching that sort of barrenness in his life. But but it was just the case, you know. So it's just, you know, when you lose parts of yourself that are God given, it's it's just such a confusing time. I've seen people both lose and find faith in seasons of great pain and difficulty and loss. During the week, um, you know, when we post on the e-news um, or we post, you know, post the, the talk of, of the week, I'll put a hand out there so you can maybe look at, you know, maybe some of the things you think are lost to yourself and in the privacy of your own home and maybe, or maybe with someone else you might want to have a bit but outside of this context, so I'll post those this week. So grief has, is good. It's good for us. <laughs> Do you believe me? It's a good process um, in terms of just um, an emotional process by which we come to terms with loss and adjust, and adjust to a new reality. Hope for healing is possible. It doesn't mean we leave things behind. It means that they become integrated as part of our story and part of who we are, and we take that on with us. You know, we need to be... Let me just give you a few helpful responses around grief in terms of, you know, how, how good how grief can be supportive and good for us. Um, the incentive, there's some incentives for me, you know, in this is that, it, that there's a new reality. It's possible we have a new reality even as we hold, you know, our story, which involves, you know, suffering and hope. So I just want to encourage us to be willing to process. You know, I experienced a number of losses, you know, in a space of about, a short space of about five years. Um, there's been other things that I could, you know, there's a number of things I could talk about today, but this sort of always came like a cluster for me. It was in the early 90s, and, you know, my father died really tragically when I was in my late 30s. I was 37, he took his own life. We were, his funeral was on Christmas Eve. You know, we were together in Christchurch at the time. Um, a couple of years later, we had to sell our house. My husband went on to have a stroke. We had to give up a church because of the health situation that we was going through. Um, we were pastoring, so we just needed to take some time out, and we wanted to heal. And that was in the space of about five years. And you know, it's, it's easy sometimes just to gloss over it. And when, even when I did that, when I was repeating this, I thought, gosh, that's a lot. And I'm sure for each one of us to sitting here today, you know, if, you, if we take a moment, you know, just to think about where we are, you know, I'm sure you, you two could probably think, gosh, it's here. And, and are we allowing ourselves some time, and, or are we being hard on ourselves and expecting more from ourselves when we really can do or be at this time? No one can determine the significance of a loss except the person who is experiencing it. So I just want to encourage us to be kind and tender-hearted and merciful towards ourselves. 
and, and towards others that we may come across or in that place. You know, today this talk, you know, as I can propose, isn't so much about, you know, being there for others. I just wanted it to be about being there for ourselves. Because, you know, even as believers, our hearts reach out. We carry compassion, the compassionate heart of God. We live by the Spirit, we see needs, and we want to do that. We can, but we can, it can also be a bit of a sort of a, um, a block sometimes at looking at what's happening for us. So be kind. And be honest with God, even if praying sounds hollow. He's listening. He's there. You know, people's grief, grief and losses can't be compared, even if they seem similar. So just, you know, let's, when we're with those safe people, let's just um, find people who can listen. And listening is just such an important piece. Listening to ourselves, obviously, as well as listening to others at, at the right time. Well, you know, we all grieve a loss for as long as it's significant. Um, it's, you know, that's what warrants, um, you know, that, that process. We grieve a loss for as long as its significance warrants, and that will be unique for every individual. It could be a really short time, it could be a really long time. Have you ever had anybody say to you, just get over it? Oh, you'll, oh, you'll, sorry, that's a bit hard. You'll get over it, something, something. But oh, you'll get, you'll get through it. You'll get through it. Which is true, but it just doesn't really help at the time. Or time will heal, you know. Just wait a while and you'll feel better. Time changes perspective, but it heals nothing. Loss is usually multifaceted. One loss causing others. So cry whenever you need to. And even if it's not convenient, you know, the Bible's got so much to say about mourning. Look at the Psalms and the lament and the emotion and the physical activity that was involved in grieving and letting things out. I've been with people that have done some quite, you know, really unusual things in their grief. And I've sat and watched and just stayed with them at times because they need to let their pain out. And, and that can look really strange at times, you know, it can look and it can look odd or it can look unnatural, but it's not. It's important for people to be able to express what's going on and for us to and not feel judged by it about it. I love that Lloyd's mum, as a 92-year-old, after about five years of losing Lloyd's dad, right, she still goes to a grief group. They've become her friends. And I just think, you know, that's a view, but I'm just amazed and really, really impressed and proud of her that she's just Staying with this group of people and just journeying with it, these people who also experienced the loss around the same time as her. So there's things we can do to, to help ourselves as well that are outside of um, prayer and and, and, um, and these kind of like um, models that I've given you today. Schedule walks, treats, something that you enjoy to do regularly. You know what it does? It symbolises that you care about you. That you're taking, we're taking time for ourselves because we really, we really matter. And I found, you know, over the years, you know, being with others who understood loss um, has really helped me. And we usually don't need many of those people in our lives, and that's actually okay. We don't need a lot, but we need one or two. Who, when we're with them, we go, you, you get it, or you get me. And it can just be a look or a sigh or just a something. But we just know when we're with someone who actually understands or isn't going to try and talk us out of who we are. I would encourage us to do that as well.
you know, grief, though heavily disguised, is a gift from God. Grief is his answer to separation and loss. We grieve because we love. If we didn't care, we wouldn't feel it. But you know, grief, pain and love are just two, two sides of, of the same coin. So I just, um, you know, don't rely just on self-help coursework um, to get you through. We, we need Jesus. We need the one who put us together, who formed us, who made us. There's lots of great supports out there, but we need, we need God. As <laughs> believers, we know that um, we can just lean on him and, and fall in that direction. In the past, you know, we've run the Century Grief and Loss course here. It's not that we don't do that kind of thing or support each other through with coursework. But I just want to say at the centre of it, you know, hey, let's, let's just kind of like lean into him as well as all the other things we can go through all the other sort of good ideas and um, good psychology that's out there for us. You know, what, what holds us in his grip is his faithfulness to an unbreakable covenant of love. That's what holds us. And God, you know, he tells us what he's like. You know, in Genesis 6, I'm going to read this to us because it's, I just want to kind of like show us about the empathy, the empathy of the Father in terms of how He's felt. Genesis 6 just it tells us, then the Lord, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved. When God, God experienced grief. He's experienced grief. It's not like it's an emotion he doesn't know about. Think about in Genesis earlier on when, you know, when the separation was there through loss, when his own beloveds um, chose to walk away from him in a relationship in the garden. We read that there was a death because there has to be a death because says he made skin. He took animal skin and clothed them. Or something died. There was some kind of loss that enabled them to be covered. It speaks of what Christ would do in terms of not covering us, but removing sin, removing shame, removing separation completely. But right there, you know, God had to do something about it. And there was loss there. There was a sacrifice there. And he's not an unfeeling God. There's not a single emotion he doesn't identify with. And we can, I want us to kind of almost end into that in a way we give ourselves permission to, to, kind of, to kind of like allow that process to take place in safe places with um, safe people. You know, so God tells us what he's like. That gives us an example of what God telling us what he's like. When we attempted to run from him in our anguish, he ran to us in his. I just love that. When we attempted to run from him in our anguish, he ran to us in his. So God tells us what he's like in those verses, and Jesus shows us what he's like. After being tempted, he returned to Galilee. He's handed the scroll in the temple, and it's the scroll of Isaiah, and he announces his mandate and his mission in Luke 4.18. And 
and it comes straight out of Isaiah, which I want to read to us. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, feast of oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called trees of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify him. Beauty instead of ashes. Feast of oil instead of mourning. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Oil, the healing. Even as Haley read that scripture about that. And the oil flowing around our ears here, it's that beautiful, the Holy Spirit, He's the only going to enable us to be Jesus, a suffering servant, acquainted with grief. Those verses are there just to remind us that He understands, He's with us. Today, as we just draw to a close, you know, for some of us, you know, we like things that are tactile, we like to hold them or visualise them. For others, we just want to just think about them in our minds. But I just like to ask Lisa if she wants to pass around. Um, I bought some autumn leaves today. I went outside and picked some of the falling leaves off from our cherry tree. And if you want, just take a leaf and um, maybe let it be something that you take away or maybe sit here with now as we just, you know, as Lloyd comes. And we close with some worship and also a moment of ministry. It may be something you can just think about or maybe it might represent a grief that you're going through. It might represent a loss that you're carrying. It might represent some pain or just actually there may be something in there where you can see, wow, I've really moved. I've really grown through something. And that, let that leaf just, just hold it and um, reflect on it if you want or put it under your seat if you don't. Now last week during, during Pete's talk on fear, I had a scripture rolling around in my mind. So while he was teaching, I looked, I looked it up, you know, as we do, and, um, and as I found it, Pete shared it. So I was, oh, you know, but all the verses in the scripture, sometimes we say, we just know that we've been reading kindness. It's not a beautiful thing when it just prompts us and gives us things like that. So it was 1 Peter 5, 7, which he quoted, cast all your cares on him. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And I was reminded while I was sitting in my seat that the invitation was to give God what weighs me down because he cares, he really cares. And it was just one of those moments where, you know, we know it because we read it in the scriptures and we hear it preached. But it was like, oh, that was like food for me. It was that bread that Matthew talked about. I just took it and it, was, it nourished me right there in my seat. And the thought that came to my heart from, you know, that whisper from the Holy Spirit was this phrase that, oh, sorry, the, the whisper that came to me in my heart was this, and I think it was inspired. If I do what I can, then he will do what I can't. He will work with me in areas that I can't change. And that was just a phrase that just came to me, and I wrote it down. 
it was like this really opportunity to respond to what he's inviting us into. He, the Lord invites us to walk towards transformation. He's capable of the transformation. He invites us to allow that to happen. We can't change ourselves, but he does invite us to respond. And that is, whether it's with our, you know, in whatever way that means. It's a partnership. If I can do, if I do what I can, then he will do what I can't. And he will work with me in areas that I can't change. And I remember when, you know, when I lost my dad, gosh, I didn't go to, I couldn't even get the words out, I couldn't speak, I, I couldn't have gone to counselling because I wouldn't have anything to say. It was too deep. So I cried, I cried and I'd excuse myself whenever I was in public places or I remember I was teaching a kids, a kids class and thinking, I'm going to fall to pieces in a minute. <laughs> And I just said to somebody, would you mind taking over the look after these kids? And I remember just leaving. Our church was in a different part of the city. And I got in my car and, you know, this, this overwhelming wave sort of crashed over me that just caused these gut-wrenching songs. And I walked along Mission Bay. Just walked it out until, like, that spiral. I came to this piece of, like, exhausted release and relief. And then I went to McDonald's and I bought myself a caramel sundae. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I sat on a brick wall and watched the water and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I went back to church. And then you. And didn't you? <laughs> so times where I thought, you know, and I just said to the Lord, you know, you have to heal me because I, I can't do I can't do this. This is this is way, way bigger. And he and he did. And he and he has and he still is. You know, it's just those things we carry with us, they become part of the cracked pot. <laughs> and the light shines through even more brightly. So I just want to encourage us as a church and as individuals, you know, just to kind of journey together as we go through these soul talk time, these soul talk podcasts and these topics to let them be opportunities to grow and so move towards transformation. Maybe something we've buried way, way down deep, so deeply. We just know it's there. And even now, as I'm talking, you just something's popped into your mind about something very old. But you know, it doesn't go away. If we park it anywhere, it's still there, and it will pop out somewhere else. So, <clears throat> I want to encourage us to, to journey with what as it comes up today. When I, was, I woke up in the middle of the night, actually, and um, and I said, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your free people today? And you know, this very sweet response was, or the word was, I want to comfort those who are mourning. I want to comfort them. Oh, it's just so beautiful. So I just want to share that with you guys, that he wants to comfort us in our morning.